G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Men and their faith in God, our conversation over this coming hour, we're going to turn our attention more specifically to men and the challenges that men face putting their faith in God. Some research shows men today are more vulnerable to various disorders and engaging in risky behaviours, but less likely to seek help and support. It may be a surprise to some, but the same issues and temptations that are faced outside of the church are always and usually faced by men within the church. So, how do men face these things with that extra dimension we call faith in God? Well, in our increasingly secularised society, men often struggle with identity, with self-esteem and balancing a life to be fruitful and useful. Two special guests with us over this coming hour, they both share a pastoral heart for men. Des Kennedy started and led men's ministry in Hillsong, Queensland, which greatly impacted hundreds of men both inside and outside the church. Tim Charles has a broadcasting background and also has a heart for seeing men become a better version of themselves. The two of them founded the men's ministry called Momentum. To First of all, Des, uh, welcome along to 2020. Man, it's great to be here. It's, uh, thank you very much for having us on board. And Tim Charles, welcome along. Thanks, Neil. Really great to be on the show. I really appreciate you having us this morning. Let's talk about men and finding faith in God. Uh, Des, give us some insight here. You've got a history working with men here, and no doubt there's been uh, lots of rejection of God that you've seen over the years, but you've also found men who have embraced faith in God. and It's made a tremendous difference in their lives. Give us a little insight into the work you've done with men. Uh, yeah, thanks, Neil. You know, one of the things, I guess the first thing I should say is that I found Christ late in life. So I was in the corporate world. You know, I wasn't interested in God other than trying to break down Christians because I saw them as hypocrites and, and so forth. And so in 2011, I, I gave my life to Christ, and that was a revolutionary change in my life. And so you know, whenever I started to go to Hillsong, which was my home church at the time, I, I guess God impressed on me the number of men who would come to an event. They would uh, be on their phone. They didn't engage with anybody. They didn't know anybody. And so you know, and they left the same way they went in. And it broke my heart. And so, you know, there's, there's so many men who are longing for something new in their world, something that's real, tangible, something they can believe in. And, uh, and we help to do that. And Tim, you've got your own experience with men and uh, with a pastoral heart that really wants to see the best for men. Yeah, I do, Neil. Look, uh, my backstory is that, um, you know, I got saved 23 years ago and, you know, I was in the church for 13 years um, in Christian radio for that time as well. And, um, 
you know, I was heavily involved in church uh, worship teams and and, do, and doing a lot of stuff, but I, I didn't really stop and be and allow Lord the Lord to, to be the Lord of my life. So I was doing a lot of stuff, but he hadn't really taken that, that first place in my life. And needless to say, that when my marriage fell apart in 2012, I went on this incredible journey, but I also felt very let down by the church. And um, they didn't seem to know how to handle the divorce and the separation terribly well. And I came to this point where that really saddened me, not just for myself, but the Lord kind of gave me this impression of then, then how many men did you used to look at in the congregation every single week that might be struggling with things and didn't have a place to turn to much like myself? And so out of that really birthed this idea to go, hey, you know, I, I felt like I suffered in silence to some degree. And so my heart now for men is that I, I don't want men to suffer in silence anymore. We, we, we can be creating safe spaces for men to talk about the stuff that's happening in their lives, stuff that perhaps they can't bring to church or they don't want to bring, you know, to the whole church or, you know, but we can find these safe pockets for men to have honest, vulnerable conversations about what's actually happening in their lives. Tim, you raise a very powerful point uh, when you say that you didn't find the support that you had anticipated that you might, the sort of pastoral Mm. care oversight when you go through the challenges, especially like a divorce. There's this sort of thing, churches, you can try and rely on a senior pastor for everything in church life. doesn't happen that way. Uh, The pastor has to rely on people who have a pastoral heart for specialised areas like men's ministry uh, to be able to actually care for the majority of men within a a church congregation. No, no, that's exactly right. And, you know, and it's not necessarily the church's fault in a sense. I mean, it's uh, it's very easy to put together a program that, that suits the majority of people who go to a particular church, and the majority of them are women. And so if you look at you know, our church connect groups, for example, if I was dealing with an issue like pornography, and I went along to my local connect group, and uh, Greg mentioned it earlier in the previous show, you, know, you will not talk about those sort of things even in a you know in a connect group where your your husband's there or your wife's there, you know your friends are there, you're just not going to do that. And so your know, men then feel isolated, they feel alone, um, they they don't engage. Uh, and and you know if you if you go up to a guy and you say how are you, you'll say yeah I'm fine, and that's the end of the conversation. But we really need to go much further than that and much deeper than that, and be prepared to be open and honest about what's happening in our world. It's interesting, isn't it, as men, we either can't talk about it or we won't talk about it. Yes. And uh, these things need to have some leadership from the front. It's not that men are not interested in talking about it. They don't always have the capacity to be able to articulate what they really feel and what they mean, and they don't really know what they're missing out on if no one actually broaches these things as a leader. Tim, this is the sort of thing uh, sometimes, you know, even men who just feel like, well, we're one step ahead of the game we're still going through all our own challenges but at least we can reach out to men and engage on their level this is an important part of leading in a men's group isn't it absolutely huge neil absolutely huge um the the, look the reality is that the church can't be everything to everyone and and that's true and we acknowledge that but you know des and i have looked around and we've been in church circles long enough to go that that sadly the church doesn't place a lot of emphasis on men's ministry which is what des was saying before and, um, you know, it's very kind of female oriented. It's a very female kind of skewed environment in church. And so when men come along to that environment, they don't necessarily feel 
that they have this space to be able to share. And so I, I suppose really what the heart of momentum is, is to, to give men an awakening around the fact that we, we definitely need to be creating this for men. And, and somebody in the church or the church world um, can be kind of leading men into this space because some men will openly go there because they need to, but generally most men don't find that space of vulnerability and transparency until they reach a crisis point. It's generally a crisis point in their life or something major happening in their life where they are forced then to reach out through circumstances. And so our heart really is to, to get men before they reach that point where they've mm-hmm. developed relationships with other men so that they've, they've started building a relationship, they've started letting their walls down so that if and when the crisis point happens, they don't necessarily find themselves alone and they're not necessarily looking to the church to fix that but they're looking for just men around their lives who they're journeying with, who know what's happening in their lives. They've reached that point of honesty and safety that they feel that they can share what's happening. And therefore, when you know, if and when that happens, then they've got people around them. So I think part of it is that men, some men will want to go there. A lot of men don't. But if we're not um, helping them to find that space or create that space for them, men will sit in, in silence. And I think there was a famous quote about men leaving, uh, leading lives of quiet desperation because if they're not given this opportunity, all we do, we shove it down. We retreat into our man cave and we, we suffer in silence. And the reality is that, Neil, and you probably know this, Des and I talk about this a lot, but the reality is that two-thirds of suicides in Australia are men because you know part of that, I believe, is that we're not creating this space, particularly in church world, in Christian circles, where we are allowing men to offload this stuff that they're shoving down. And so for them, they feel lonely, they feel isolated, and sadly, suicide is the only option for some men, which is incredibly sad and tragic. And, you know, we, we should be doing something about this. So our heart behind Momentum is exactly that, to get men connected and get men talking. Certainly when you say men leading a life of quiet desperation, it's not knowing who they can talk to. And, of course, uh, then we might choose our peer group and uh, we might choose our peer group according to who might well embrace us and accept us and help us to feel a belonging there. Des, that's one way that things are being shaped, but certainly there's some undercurrents throughout the entire society that are shaping men and their identity and what they feel about themselves. And it's coming through the media, it's coming through the education system, it's coming everywhere. Men created, not in the image of God like uh, we would like to think, but uh, in the image of a secular society. Big things are really afoot, and if you don't do something about it somewhere, uh, you just get swept along with the current. Yes, exactly right. And I mean, just to use an example, if you go to um, The Simpsons and watch The Simpsons, who is the biggest clown in The Simpsons? It's, it's the husband, it's the father. And so, you know, that's just an example of how society has broken down the, the role that a husband and a father has to play in the world. Not only husband and father, but, but men in general. And so, and it's not about men taking over the role of women or or anything like that. It's all about men identifying themselves because a guy who has his own identity and understands who he is, both uh, both uh, physically and spiritually, you know, will end up being a much better person, a much more rounded person, a confident person, and, and somebody who will end up being a good dad or a, a good um, a good husband. 
Tim, let's just touch on something very important here because when we talk manhood, uh, there are popular media and Hollywood images of what that looks like. Uh, But Mm. contrast that with uh, a biblical image of what manhood looks like. And this is the sort of thing that in a Christian group and in a conversation like this and listening into Christian radio, you're going to hear a different impression. That doesn't Mm. always sound attractive to the typical man. But what about your thoughts on on manhood and the confusion that we have? Yeah, well, well, I think that's exactly right, Neil. I think a lot of men are confused about what manhood actually means in 2022. Um, you know, we, we are getting very mixed messages from society. And if you look over the last 20, 30 years, you know, as Des said, you know, the, the role that ma- the man has played in society has radically shifted. And I think a lot of men generally are confused about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good man, what it means to be a biblical man. Um, and we hear this we hear this phrase toxic masculinity that's thrown around a lot. And I think absolutely there is some of that because when you look at what the media and social media portrays what a man should be, um, it, it's very visual. And, you know, there's a lot, not, with respect, there's not a lot of depth to it. And uh, so when you bring that, it's a very vain kind of, uh, you know, way of, of well, I, I, I produce like a man, I look like a man, but have I done the internal work necessary? Um, and to be honest, again, a lot of guys are confused about what that actually means. Well, what does that mean? What, what should I be looking at internally when it comes to character and integrity and all of those sorts of things? So, I mean, the, the reality is we, we always should be modeling um, ourselves on the Bible and what the Bible says about manhood. And, you know, I think sadly in the, in the church world, because we're not getting a necessarily good picture in church and from the pulpit from men to help them to understand and identify what it means to be a good, godly, biblical man. Men are confused, so they're getting some of their messaging from the world and going, well, okay, if I go to the gym and I look this way and I wear these things and I drive this, okay, well, some of that is important, but we're not getting the balance of the input from the church or I'm not necessarily in a a good space where I'm inputting into that space, so I'm not really sure what this means. And I think you started off by saying that there's a lot of confusion for men about what manhood actually means. And, and you know, the challenge is now that when we become a strong man or we identify, men's voices are quite shut down in society now. And, you know, the, the role that we had 20, 30 years ago is almost pivoted. And as Des said, you know, the role of the man in society, if it's marketing and things, and things we see on TV, um, is very dumbed down. And it's, it's very confusing for a man to understand what that means. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You can join in our conversation today. You can help direct where our conversation goes. 1-800-316-316. You might have your own contribution. We're talking about men and faith in God. Our two special guests, Des Kennedy and Tim Charles. They founded the ministry called Momentum. And our talkback line opened 1-800-316-316. Gentlemen, let's talk about manhood and the Bible. I mean, people will keep hearing us say that uh, God has his own impression of what a man is. I wonder, Des, if I come to you first of all, and we talk about a biblical definition of manhood, we're going to be looking at different characters we read about in the Bible. Yes, certainly. And interesting you use the word character, because character is one of the fundamental traits that, that, that demonstrates men. 
uh, their character and how they do life. But I was just reminded of Paul when he spoke in First Corinthians, and he, he, he used the words, watch, stand fast in your faith, be brave, and be strong. And those key words are so important for men that they be in a position where they can be brave, they can be strong because they know who they are, they know what they stand for, they know where they're, where they're, what their calling is, and they know where they're going in life. And so those things are so important. But yes, there's lots of, lots of great role models in the Bible. And Tim, when we talk about biblical role models, uh, you don't find many perfect. I know some will say, well, hang on, there is a perfect man role model in the Bible, and it's Jesus. But when we look at through all of the Old Testament and into New Testament characters as well, uh, they're all pretty flawed, and a lot of the biblical narrative is around the mistakes that men make. Any thoughts here about the way you might look at manhood and some of those great characters of the Old Testament and into the New? Yeah, great question, Neil. Look, I, th- I think the, the first thing is that what a relief. But, uh, you know, yes, we have this incredible man called Jesus, but, uh, you know, you look at anybody else that was significant, a significant male in the Bible, and uh, most of them had some degree of trait or character flaw or a journey that they went on as a result of something happening in their life. Not all of it was their fault, but uh, a lot of it was, you know, some poor choices. And of course, David springs to mind straight away. But I think that's that that's a relief to men, and it should be a relief to men listening to go, we're not aiming for perfection here. Our idea as Christian men is, yes, Jesus is our standard. And, you know, the, the whole journey of life is to become more like Christ. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, there is grace for those moments when, you know, we miss it, like many of the biblical characters did. And so I think, you know, for men listening right now, this is um, this is taking the the veil off, if you like, because the challenge, I think, Neil, is that when we step into churches, um, there is, you know, shall we say, a, a front that most of us can put on because we feel like we've got to act a certain way and talk a certain way and look a certain way. And while that is true to some degree, we don't air our dirty laundry to everybody in the church, but it also should be a relief to go that, well, we're in church because we acknowledge that without Jesus, we're failed, flawed human beings and we need a saviour. Mm-hmm. And so I look at those characters and I go, what can we learn from them? Because the reality is when you take away, you know, what denomination they sit in and what they may have done in their life, they're all men. And we all struggle with the same issues. When, when you take away the top surface layer that people see on the Sunday morning, the reality is when you pull it back, we're all men trying to deal with doing life well, navigating being a, a husband, navigating, you know, being a father, navigating the, the trials and twists and turns of life. And sometimes we miss it, but, you know, we get back on the horse and we we set our sights again on Jesus and we receive grace and we keep moving forward. Now, that doesn't obviously, you know, hear me when I say that, that doesn't give us a license to keep sinning or doing something stupid or that's going to hurt our family or other people. But realizing that we're not meant to be perfect, we cannot attain that this side of heaven. Uh, Yes, we're, we're aiming you know, to be more like Jesus, but take the pressure off and go, look, as long as you're on a a journey of uh, identity and learning who you are and and trying the best you can to be the best version of yourself possible, that there there is grace available 
um, when you know you, when you miss it. And I think when we look at the biblical characters, that's one of the key messages I think that we need to give men. So because the reality is that when we feel like we've got to be perfect, right? As soon as we miss it or we blow it, we go, oh, "It's too hard." We'll just we 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 can fall off the wagon, or there's that temptation to fall off the wagon and then not get back on. And I think the message to guys this morning is we all miss it at times. Um, but we need to keep going because the rewards are great. And the reality is when you become a healthy, whole individual, a man, the knock-on effect to your family and your kids is huge. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can help direct where our conversation goes. We're talking men and faith in God. Let's take a call. Steve is in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, G'day, brothers and sisters out there. Um, God bless you all. Um, I believe the only real definition I can claim as somebody I describe myself as born again, I claim progress. I do not comp- uh, claim perfection. I have me stuff-ups, bleepers and blunders, the same as every everyone. But the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is stand up for something I believe in. I went through life being a frightened little dweeb. Uh, I still class myself today as a bookworm. But the greatest book I've ever encountered is the um, uh, the Holy Bible. Um, And like I said, I I fall, I stumble. uh, But the one thing I've learned to do is stand up against godlessness and godless communism. Um, it, it, it brings up uh, fear in me every time I look into it. I've done quite a bit of research on it, but to me, to find something, and I've struggled with this all my life, is not to hang on to the hatred and the bitterness and uh, the teachings of Christ and the Holy Bible. Help me to come out uh, of the mud and the sludge, the hatred and bitterness, to, and the only eternal light and flame I see is the light of Christ and having faith in things like the Ten Commandments and as described in Ephesians, the full armour of God to help me to keep going to... Um, Steve, you're making some great points there and certainly identifying how you might prioritise what is important uh, for every person, be you male or female. Uh, Every person has some level of priorities where we will find uh, levels of identity. And as you identify, Steve, we are all a work in progress. Uh, Let's get a thought or two. Des, what are your thoughts for Steve? Oh, look, I think I think Steve's on the ball in the sense that you know we our our relationship with with Christ and our relationship with our Father is so critical, and we can only do that if we understand His Word and we read His Word, and we and we we pray and we we have a relationship with God, and so um, absolutely totally agree with where Steve is. Um, and it's, um, it's he's, he's now in a good place, and and certainly we need to avoid um, the sinful life. We need to avoid things that could pull us down. And uh, and there's no there's no doubt that the more we read the Bible and understand it and and have it engage in our lives, the better we will be. 
Uh, Tim, Steve mentions standing up for something, uh, finding a cause to fight for. How do you mm. do you think that's an important thing for for men to have? Yes, I do. I think men. I think men are wired to to stand up and and fight for something that they believe is true in their heart. Absolutely. Um, I think sometimes the challenge for men is that we get confused about what that might look like. And, you know, I, I was thinking as Steve was talking, you know, often we, we fight with the family and not for the family. And, you know, when we can identify as men that, uh, you know, as the head of the home, we're, we're, he, we're here to spiritually and physically protect our wife and our kids. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not our enemy. And sometimes it can feel like that, let's be honest, in the, in the heat of the moment sometimes. Um, and so I think having a cause, whether it's our family, whether it's something uh, of the Bible, whether it's a ministry, whatever it is that stirs your heart and your passion, and, and it's something that's good, absolutely. I, I think that men, men need that outlet to be able to, to fight for that. But I think, again, Neil, the challenge is sometimes we can get confused about what that is and, and whether it's the right thing. Okay, Steve, thanks so much for your call. And just a minute or so out from news, but let's squeeze in another one before news. John? on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. You need to be quick, but what are your thoughts, John? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, uh, it's uh, leaving a message where you go. I said I started work at 14, about nine months later became a Christian, and uh, believe it or not, I was always um, called the Minister for Agriculture. Okay. Um, Yeah, so... uh, because you were working on the land? Yeah, yeah, I worked on the sugar industry and that. You're raising a really good point. We might be able to pick up some things after the news, but the sort of career that we fall into often can shape our identity and we can be identified with a particular career. So, uh, Des and Tim, just before the news, we heard from John and uh, he got the nickname the Minister for Agriculture because he worked on the land. A career that we fall into often shapes our image, shapes our identity, especially the identity that others are giving to us and reinforcing in us. Des, if I was just coming to you for a thought or two about John, because he's typical, oftentimes we are characterised by the career we choose or we fall into. What are your thoughts for this sort of identity? Yeah, that's uh, it's a good point. You know, whenever uh, I was in the secular world, I was in IT and I was in with some great big corporations and, and had senior roles. And that was my identity. My identity was my job. It wasn't really my family and it wasn't really my kids. Uh, and it certainly wasn't in that stage of my life. It certainly wasn't Christ. And so, you know, my whole identity, everything I did, everything that I that I tried to achieve was all based around that identity. Uh, the trouble with that is, whenever that comes to an end, what do you do? Where does your identity end up? People lose their jobs. All of a sudden, they've lost their identity because they've got nothing r- r- solid un- underpinning their world that is a, a sure foundation. And the Bible talks about that, of course. And so, you know, we, we need to have something more than just ourselves. We need to have something more than just our career to, uh, to help us do life well. 
And of course, those things that are more than our job, more than our career, this is going to bring us into a deeper faith con- conversation here. But, but there's all sorts of things upsetting this identity. And uh, I know you've got your own significant story to tell, Tim. Uh, the sorts of things that shape us right from our childhood, our identity is being shaped a certain way. And sometimes that needs a major readjustment. Yeah, that's right, Neil. Um, we, we, I suppose the, the technical term is our, our childhood wounds. So the things that um, you know we've gone through as our, as as young kids, um, the way that our parents have um, related to us or not, as the case may be, and that was certainly my case with my mum. There was a whole um, journey of rejection that I I kind of went through with my mum, and to be honest, um, I didn't deal with it until the age of thirty-eight, and it was only when I started un- uncovering why I was feeling this way, why my mom and I struggled with having a relationship. And really, when I took the Band-Aid off, I realized that what I'd been shoving down for 38 years um, had really affected um, my outlook on life. I I thought I didn't think about it. Well, I didn't think about it. And so therefore, I didn't, I thought it didn't affect me. But it was only when I ripped the Band-Aid off, I went, oh, actually, it's it's put almost like a filter over the way that I view everything, my relationships, my, my relationship with my wife at that stage, how I was parenting, how I saw the world was all viewed through this filter of rejection that I'd mm. inherited from my mum at a very young age. And so I suppose, you know, when we, we look as men to go, um, you know, we, we, um, we grow up, but do we grow up emotionally, internally? And I think, you know, the reality is, and, and with respect to some men listening, some of us are still little boys in men's bodies. And until we do the work to look back and go, is, are there things from my childhood that I'm still carrying as a man? Are there things that, you know, my, whether it's my parents instilled in me or my teacher instilled in me or my friends when I was young instilled in me or when I first got a job or, you know, it, it, we, we kind of journey through life and we don't necessarily think about how these things affect us and impact us. And yet if we're not I suppose, aware of certain things, they can become a belief or a thought pattern about ourselves or about life that can actually be unhealthy or dysfunctional until we look at it and go, why is this thing repeating in my life and I don't seem to be getting victory or breakthrough in this area? What's actually happening for me? And so, yeah, we, you know, as men, we need to be aware, I think, of some of the stuff that can happen at an early age. And, you know, some of our identity, I think the the experts say in inverted commas that a lot of our identity is set by the age of seven or eight. A lot of the core things about what we believe about ourselves and, and what we believe about the world are set at a very young age. And if we don't intentionally do some work or some thought process into that, we'll carry that into adulthood. And it, it may be that it's outgrown and it needs it needs a revamp, Neil. So if dads are messed up, uh, then their kids will be messed up too in similar sorts of ways. So you've got this intergenerational challenge, haven't you? Hey, let's take another call. Uh, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Ken is on the line from Alice Springs in the Territory. Hi, Ken. Welcome. Hey, how you going? Very good, Ken. What are your thoughts? Uh, you just prompted one of the thoughts uh, a bit earlier when you mentioned about um, in church the need for other people to step in and, you know, for example, the pastor can't sort of see all the stuff that's going on and what have you. I think, isn't it, the problem with their church is we're running more like a corporation than what they really should be. It's like, it doesn't, I understand the, the need for a pastor and you can't actually, if you've got church like a hundred odd people, 200 people trying to connect with all of them, you can't. But the fact is, is that we let so many people just slip through, you know, back in the biblical thing of a pastor, shepherd, you know, leave the hundred, you know, leave the 99, go for the one. 
nowadays we let the one just fall away and we don't necessarily look at the one and also it's somebody else's problem. I think sometimes as men, well, we should be looking around at the other men that are in the church and see what's going on with them. But at the same time, is, is you know the church just can't continue to go neglect and go, oh, we'll just throw those off to some side that somebody else's problem and somebody else needs to step up and do it. Ken, you're making some great points here. Let's get a thought or two from Des. Uh, There's some more reflection there on what happens in church, uh, a corporatizing of church and uh, letting the one slip through, uh, perhaps unintentionally, but that's sort of what happens if you're not into that pastoral care uh, regime that needs to be really firmly in place in church, that we look out for one another. What are your thoughts for Ken here? Yeah, yeah, Ken, uh, that's a great, great question, a great comment. And uh, let me say, I'd actually lived in Alice Springs, and so I know that town really well and, and loved being there. Uh, in terms of church, I mean, it's, it's right. We have to be, the one thing that we don't do well is be deliberate in church. We don't be deliberate about looking out for people. We don't be deliberate about men helping men. And you're absolutely spot on when you say, you know, men need to step up and take responsibility for the men in their world. And, and men's groups, the same thing. So if you go to a men's group, then be deliberate about getting to know somebody. Be deliberate about you know, getting alongside somebody and understanding their world uh, and becoming friends with those people. And so you know, that's, a, that's a key thing that we need to do. And churches, you know, they, um, often men's group is seen as something they need to do rather than something that they want to do and feel led to do. And so, you know, when you look at some of the statistics, um, and I'll just quote one for to start us off. Um, if a child comes to Christ, the likelihood of that whole family coming to Christ is about 13%. If a wife comes or mother comes to Christ, the likelihood of that whole family coming to Christ rises to 37%. But if a husband father comes to Christ, the likelihood of that whole family coming to Christ rises to 87%. And so from even just a marketing point of view for, for the church, if you were going to target a market for your church, who would you target? Well, you target men because they have the greatest influence in their world. And so, um, you know, I, I encourage all men in the church world to get alongside, look for somebody who is uh, on their own. Go and, and talk to them um, and, and, and spend some time just uh, being a friend. Ken in Alice Springs, is that a helpful response? Yeah, no, that's a good response. Yep. Ken, and, uh, as yep. thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. There's a thought, isn't there, Tim, here? Uh, everybody else in church has it together. Uh, am I the only one who's struggling with a few of these issues? Uh, there's a little bit of a deception or even a self-deception that happens there. Uh, men are struggling and going through all sorts of issues that do need support, but uh, this reluctance, once again, to reach out and ask for help, it really has to be offered rather than asked. What are your thoughts here, Tim? Yeah, so true, Neil. Um, the reality is that uh, we can often think that we're the only one. <laughs> that, uh, oh, well, surely, I mean, you look at the pastor like he's, you know, got his skinny jeans on and his suit and he looks great. You know, surely he's got no problems. I mean, his wife looks, you know, amazing. The kids are well behaved. You know, uh, you look around the church and, and we can go, oh, my gosh, okay, well, it must just be me. 
And the reality is that that is such a lie. Um, we all have struggles. We all go through things. And, you know, this is where when you when you start and, you know, what Des and Ken were just talking about, when you start reaching out to other men and you start getting past the surface conversations and connecting on a deeper level, you, you realize that we are all dealing with something to some degree. I remember going on the rites of passage, uh, it was about five days away in the Sunshine Coast hinterland a couple of years ago, and about 25 guys, and you know, of course, as we do as men, we, we look around the group to start with, and you kind of look around and you identify, and same thing, we kind of size each other, oh, he looks he looks like he's, you know, pretty well done, and he, he looks like he's got his, you know, he looks like he's well, t- well together and confident, da, da, da. but over the next five days... It was really interesting as we started delving into some stuff in this Rites of Passage course. Every single one of the guys, all 25 of us, had something in our lives, whether it was past, present, that we were struggling with, dealing with. You know, we all had stuff to bring to the table. And it was this great leveler for the guys to go, hey, none of us is better or whatever. We're all on the journey of life together. We might all be dealing with slightly different things. Some of us might be dealing with exactly the same thing. Um, but we're all we're all men and we're all dealing with something in life. And, you know, I think this is one of the biggest uh, struggles that men can have. Like I just said, when we walk into a church meeting or we walk into a men's group, we feel like we're the only one that's got stuff. And the reality is that is so far from the truth. And so when we can start building those relationships and having those deeper conversations with men, we start connecting past the surface level. It puts us all in the same the same playing field to go, hey, we're all dealing with this. Let's support each other in this because we're all on the journey and not one of us is perfect. Let's touch on something that is particularly important because it's so pervasive in our society. And while we've been talking about some really essential elements of our identity or the role that we might have at home and in our relationships, let me just ask you, and I'll direct this one to you, Des. And we did talk about it and very briefly brushed over it early on in the conversation, but this issue of pornography. Uh, men struggle with pornography, and uh, and I'm wondering whether, uh, and we haven't got a lot of time to unpack a lot of depth today, but there is a real issue there that somehow or other people think they won't find the answers in church uh, because they'll feel as though that there's going to be some levels of condemnation or uh, they know that that's a sinful practice and therefore somehow or other I better go and hide from God on this issue. Uh, give us some insights here, and I know we haven't got a lot of time to unpack this, but, but men do have a challenge with pornography. Yeah, look, there's some, there's some um, I mean, spiritually, um, it, is, it is something that we need to pray about and, and, and seek help with, uh, because it does distort the brain and the way the brain works. But let me just say this, you know, if you're struggling, and the men who are listening, if you're struggling with pornography, there's some simple little things you can do, practical things that will, will help you. For example, if you're looking at pornography and you're doing it in your bedroom, take your iPad and leave it outside the bedroom. Now, that sounds very simplistic, but it actually works because you won't have the temptation right in front of you to go there. And it's like a learned behavior. The, the sooner you learn to not look for, for pornography, the easier it is to recover from it. And so there's lots of courses that churches can take on. There's Valiant Men, there's uh, Courage. There's lots of courses that churches can run 
Um, and it would be really interesting to see them take on those courses and run them to help men through that space. But the key thing, of course, is getting alongside another guy and being open and, and honest. No doubt uh, you guys tackle this on your program called Momentum and are heard on radio stations all around the nation. Uh, But let me just come back to some of the things that we can do here for men. One of those things is the creation of safe spaces for men. Tim, you're a big advocate for this to happen in churches so that men have somewhere to be able to uh, unload some of the challenging problems that uh, they're up against. What are your thoughts here about creating safe spaces? Yeah, well, I mean, look, when when we're talking about an issue like pornography, for example, I mean, the reality is that men aren't going to just walk into a men's group <laughs> on their first visit and go, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, and can I just say off the back of what Des was saying, you know, with everything, right, there's a cause and effect. So if you're just looking at the end result, oh, well, I'm, I'm struggling here without questioning why, then, you know, that's part of the battle. So as men, if, if, if this is an area that you're struggling in, um, look at the reasons why. Um, uh, there's a lot of psychology around, you know, if, if we're in pain, we look for pleasure. Uh, if, you know, and with regards to pornography, it might be that it's, you know, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, um, things aren't great with my wife right now. There's, there's always a trigger point and a reason why, and it's identifying those things, uh, whatever the problem is, not just pornography, but it's identifying what the trigger is, what am I doing about it, and then how can I change that? So that's the first thing. Creating these safe spaces, Neil, yeah, very important, because, you know, I was attached to the men's group that Des was in, uh, Des set up in, in Brisbane, and um, I can honestly say that for me was something that was life-giving. So I walked in there in February 2019. My life wasn't in a great spot, but instantly felt like this was a group that was, um, you know, they they set values straight up from the get-go about, uh, hey, this is a safe space. You know, whatever is shared tonight stays here. Um, You know, we had some worship, we had some prayer, um, we had somebody speak about an issue, and then we'd break off into small groups and talk about it. And of course, there's always the hesitancy when you break off in small groups what am I going to share? How vulnerable am I going to be? But when you start developing relationships with guys and, you know, they, you, you start chipping away at the outer stuff, you start getting to the things that you really need to talk about. But that takes time and it takes, as they said before, intentionality. And so I'm, you know, urging churches and men's groups to somehow create these spaces for men because men need this. You know, otherwise they carry this stuff in silence. We don't talk about it. We don't deal with it. It gets left in the dark and nothing in the dark is ever, you know, it's, it's not going to bring good fruit. We bring it out into the light. We can deal with it, but it needs to be in a safe space. And, and can I urge men, if you have someone come to you with something that is very sensitive and, and very, you know, that they're, they're really trusting you with this, be very careful with what you do with that. Because for somebody to come to you and actually share some information that's really vulnerable to them is a real privilege and it's a trusted place. And we need to guard that space very carefully. So for men listening, as Dad said before, it's about being intentional with each other. If the church that you're in or the men's group that you're in isn't perhaps giving you that safe space that you need, or you just desperately need a conversation about something in your life, if that's not happening for you in the church, then A, reach out to a professional, like a counselor or a psychologist, or find a couple of guys in your world that you can start developing a relationship with, that you can have those conversations with. And again, when you when you break down the barriers, you'll find that we're all dealing with something. And so 
this then becomes when we can reach that point, it becomes, hey, I've got these people in my life that, that know my stuff. They're not judging me for it. They're accepting me for it. And they're doing life with me so that I know that if, if I come to a crisis point or something happens, I've got people in my life now that I can reach out to. I'm not just I'm not alone dealing with this suffering in silence, but I've created this safe space. So in really pushing men to to reach out and be intentional with that, because we don't tend to do that, Neil. We tend to sit in our, our man caves and just think that we're the only one and we're not. And so it's, it's really about encouraging men to, to pick up the phone, reach out to some guys that they already know, and, and start having some of those conversations with. As you say, Tim, it's life-giving when men find that mateship, that camaraderie in church, their peer group in church that understands that they're all going through the same thing. But let's just broaden this for a moment. And running out of time here, we'll come to you, Des. It's not all about uh, dealing with weaknesses. Sometimes the weaknesses can tend to take priority and uh, they can help us uh, to uh, you know get the, the whole image of who we are wrong. But when we're a part of church life, when we're submitted to God, there is a new construction, a new story, a new narrative that actually helps to shape a life. Uh, Des, your thoughts here for uh, the man and his faith in God, uh, what God does with a man when he is, when a man surrenders to, to God's love and his development. Any thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, I can only use my own life as an example. And, uh, you know, when I came to Christ, all of a sudden I, I found a reason to live. I find a joy. I find a peace. I find an understanding that I'd never had in my life. And I was in my 50s at this stage. And so, you know, I encourage any man that's listening to, you know, if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, you know, something to explore and something to find really as soon as you can. And uh, it's a wonderful experience. And so the perfect definition of what manhood looks like is in Jesus Christ. And, uh, Mm. you know, you might look at a lot of images of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the infant in the manger uh, at Christmas time is not the same image as the Jesus uh, who was uh, overturning the tables in the temple, the same Jesus who died on the cross uh, and rose again on the third day, the same Jesus whose image out of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 19, comes uh, riding triumphantly on the white horse, uh, robes dipped in blood, and uh, and on you know he's the king of kings and lord of lords. This is the image of manhood that somehow or other you've got to get a, a bigger and fuller impression of, and uh, you get that when you're a part of a men's group in church. Uh, Tim, perhaps a, a last word from you, your encouragement uh, for men mm-hmm. to actually reconnect with church. A lot of men listening today will be saying, "Well, I, I'm not really connected with my church. I can see what you're saying is right, but." Uh, what's your encouragement to men who might be just uh, uh, hanging off on the side? Yeah, look, I mean, the reality is that we all need a place where we feel like we belong. And so uh, my encouragement to, to men listening is, if that is your church, terrific. If that is your men's group, terrific. If it's not, then find a place that you can feel like you belong. But I think the, 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 the first thing really that's important for men, and we talked about this in Identity, is um, our relationship with God first and foremost. And I'm reminded of James, which says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And, you know, I think when we come to God in that place, and, and you know, I'm also reminded of the scripture, the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve. 
And when we have this posture of humility before the Lord saying, Lord, I'm struggling here. I need help. You know, when you come to the Lord like that, there is a prayer that I believe he will step in and, and help you with. And so I, I suppose, Neil, it, for me, it comes back to the relationship that we have with God, first and foremost. Because when, when we're in this posture of humility before him, saying, look, I, I don't have it all together. I need your help to be able to do this. I'm struggling with this. Or, you know, I just, I, or I'd like to find a safe space where I feel like I belong. I believe that the Lord then, when you bring that humble heart before him, he'll jump in and he will help you with that. I'm also reminded one final scripture I want to leave with you, which is um, in James as well. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, we, we, we love to do the praying thing. The confession thing for men is a struggle. And so, again, just an encouragement to men to go confessing first before the Lord, but then also finding people in your life that you confess your stuff to, that you can pray with. Um, and, and this is the beginning of healing. This is the beginning of wholeness. This is the beginning of identity. It's having that humble posture before God and before man and saying, I don't have all of this together. Please help. And, uh, and again, for men, get connected. If it's not at church, if it's not at a men's group, find somewhere where you feel like you belong, that you can find people who are on the same wavelength as you, but can encourage you on your journey, because we all need that place of encouragement. We, you know, we're not meant to do life on our own. And men have been conned, I think, over the years to thinking that if a self-made man, successful man, can just be on his own, he doesn't need people, he doesn't need anybody, well, you know what, that's a lie. And we've all believed that far too long. The reality is we are men, we need each other, we need to help each other. And so find a place of belonging that works for you. Well, I think you both have won a few more fans for your radio show. It's called Momentum. It airs on Vision around lunchtime on Sundays, 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, so 11 in the West. Check your program guide for specifics in your time zone. And you might like to visit the website, MomentumAustralia.org. And Des Kennedy and Tim Charles, they founded the men's ministry called Momentum, MomentumAustralia.org. To you, Des, and to Tim, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 